continue using school children as target practice. Somewhere in America, a black teenager is being read his Miranda rights instead of his high school diploma, and the slave trade is continued through the school to prison pipeline, but people call it justice. Somewhere in America, someone is turning 18, and they choose to dig their own grave instead of registering to vote because they have lost faith in a system that was built to oppress them. And that is how they win. So somewhere in America, I am standing here begging you to vote. Hold elected officials responsible. Stand up for your rights. Scream cries of liberation just like your ancestors did. Remember what is at stake. Demand you be seen as you are not criminal, not terrorist, not alien, human. This is listener-sponsored WBAI New York. Hi, this is Alec Baldwin, and you're tuned to WBAI, listener-supported, non-commercial radio in New York. Anything can happen. Support WBAI, peace and justice radio in New York. Anything can happen. Good afternoon and welcome to City Watch, a watchdog program for social, economic, political, and cultural issues here in New York City. I'm Jeff Simmons, your host for today. And in studio, we have a very special guest today, the amazing Celeste Katz, who co-hosts Driving Forces with me every Thursday at 5 o'clock. And we just heard in the last two hours from our wonderful engineer who has his own show, James Ursay, who had just had such a beautiful show. I wish you, you, know, you had been in here with me, just got in here. How are you doing today, this Mother's Day? I'm just happy to be here with you, Jeff, and with Sean. <laughs> During this beautiful weather, hmm? Gorgeous. <laughs> so happy Mother's Day to you. Have you called your mom? Thank you. I have not, but I just actually tweeted a picture of my mom. It doesn't show up very well on radio, but it's very cute. And I'm going to call her later. And uh, the kids, my dogs, Pebbles and Pablo, wished me a happy Mother's Day. They left me a present uh, on the carpet. <laughs> and I will be calling my mother-in-law after the show as I think I've said before she doesn't know how to live stream from Chicago so I don't think she can listen to the show right now I, I'm sure she knows your heart's in the right place <laughs> so as far as news of the day uh, what just came across uh, the news a little while ago was that the governor Governor Cuomo celebrated this Mother's Day by honoring moms, city moms, and signing a bill that he said will make their uh, keep children safe. This is going to increase the number of speed cameras in school zones by what a five guy. times. What a guy. Yeah, I, this was a big issue, especially in the district here, a uh, neighboring district in uh, in Brooklyn yeah. uh, during the Marty Golden race, the whole speed camera legislation. So uh, the governor has uh, signed this, and there'll be 140 cameras citywide that number we're going to jump rather to 750, if you can mm -hmm. believe it. Well, that's great, and you know this is this is actually a big issue. Even right in my own neighborhood, there's been a bunch of accidents. I don't know if they've all been fatals, but uh, there have been uh, uh, there's been some really stepped up surveillance, and uh, people are trying to create more awareness. The police have a lot of signs out. I guess this is all part of what was uh, it's um, Vision Zero, right? Mm -hmm. This is the, that. Well, that would be the city version. Yeah, the city, city version. version. Although it was once memorably called Zero Vision by Joe Biden at, at an event, I, <laughs> an event that I was covering, and that that's kind of stuck with me through the years. But uh, I'm sure everybody's heart is in the right place on that one. So we've got a few good guests lined up today, but of course, what we really want to talk about first, it's very important to us, and James was focusing on this too, and he yes. does it. So so well. I, I aspire to be able to pitch the way James does because it was really terrific listening to him. He's a good radio host. He yeah. really is. And he knows a ton about music. And he's just a, he's a, a nice guy. It's like you want to listen to the sound of his voice and his show and you want to help him out. And that's why... Actually, if you want to help them out, I should remind you, give us a call, 516-620-3602. Keep James on the air. And also this guy, Jeff Simmons, who has this show. 
We're in the pledge drive. It would be wonderful if you could also even just go online to give to WBAI.org. And if you do it today during our show, if you call 516-620-3602 or go online to give to WBAI.org, you can, for a $50 donation, you can get copies of Spiritual Adrenaline, a lifestyle plan to nourish and strengthen your recovery. This is a book by Tom Shanahan, who's going to join us during the show today. It's published by Central Recovery Press. We've got five copies, a $50 donation. That's all. And when you're donating, it's not to receive the book. You can get it, but it's to really keep us going on this station. James also talked about the studio renovation right down the hall. Which is looking awesome, by the way, which is really looking and is very, very much needed so that we can bring you better programming, better sound, uh, have more of your phone calls come in so we can get your voice on the air, too. This is this is really important. So please do help us out. 516-620-3602. Do it for mom. So let's go to our first guest, uh, Natalia uh, Natalia Seneas. She is Senior Vice President and Chief Nurse Executive at NYC in Health and Hospitals. That is, as Celeste and I know, having covered city government for some time, that is the largest public health care system in the country. And on Friday, NYC Health and Hospitals launched a new recruitment campaign to meet the needs of primary care in the city. So we invited her on to City Watch to talk about the campaign. Uh, Natalia, welcome to City Watch. Good afternoon. Thank you so much. So first, give Celeste and me a sense of the scope of uh, the NYC Health and Hospitals uh, system, the public health system. Sure. So as you mentioned, New York City Health and Hospitals is the largest public health system in the United States. We have over 70 patient care areas, which includes 11 hospitals. We provide services to more than a million New Yorkers every year. We have over 40,000 employees and over 9,600 nurses, so pretty large scope. What is your, you're a chief nursing executive. What does a chief nursing executive do? Sure, so to simplify my role, I like to think of myself as the primary voice of our nurses and patients every day. So I try my best to be visible so that I can understand the needs of our nursing staff and also the needs of our patients. What, what's a typical day in the life of a nurse? So a nurse assesses our patients. We partner with the interdisciplinary team. We make sure that we have a plan of care for our patients. We provide a lot of education for patients. We advocate for our patients. We ensure that our patients are safe every day. And we also provide medications. We adhere and check orders to make sure that our medical orders are safe for our patients, and we are truly the voice for our patients. We are spending time with patients every day at the bedside and also in different clinical settings. And Natalia, about how many patients does a nurse see in one day? Is there enough time to spend to give people individual care, or is it really uh, kind of a rush job in some cases? Um, Nurses have the autonomy, um, I would say, to make sure that they have enough time to spend with their patients. Um, that, uh, that is really dictated based on the patient acuity. So in different clinical settings, um, the number of patients change based on what's happening with the patient. So and if you're in an ICU, a nurse mm-hmm. might have one patient. If it's in an ED, you know, that, that, that number changes. But it's all predicated on what's happening with the patient in that setting. And why did you choose this job? I love being the voice of our nurses. I love leading teams to accomplishing outcomes. I love seeing um, us improve, whether it's related to quality outcomes or increasing patient satisfaction, to make sure that we are providing the best care to patients. It's always been a dream of mine to work in the public health system and to work at New York City Health and Hospital. has really been a dream that has come to fruition but I have always been a leader in different, in different aspects. I believe nurses at the bedside are all, also leaders. And so the ability to lead the, the largest public health system in the United States is just an honor. And to lead our workforce to ensuring that our patients are receiving the best care is why I do what I do every day. So at the start of the segment, I mentioned that just on Friday you launched the, uh, a recruitment campaign. Can you talk a little about the campaign? 
sure. We are very excited about our first ever comprehensive nurse recruitment campaign at New York City Health and Hospital. Um, this campaign um, has been created because we are really growing as an organization. We are building on our ambulatory and primary care settings, and we want to make sure that we have the workforce to mirror and match the needs of our patients. The campaign also includes a new website, nurses4nyc.org, which includes many documentaries of what our nurses do and why they do what they do every day. And is there, uh, and I have at least one nurse in my family, so uh, I have some familiarity <laughs> with it, but um, is there, there, there's a lot of stuff that nurses do that people don't know about. I think people associate a nurse with, you know, coming in, maybe taking your vitals or, or giving you medication, checking on you to see if you're in pain, if you need help, but you know, nurses do a lot of other stuff behind the scenes, and they have a lot more training, I think, also, than a lot of people know. Sure, you're absolutely right. Nurses are there for their for patients, you know, during the good and the bad times. You know, there are moments where nurses are holding a patient's hand or family's hand um, that people don't often realize that that is their role as well. You know, I remember when my grandfather passed away at the age of 105, you know, all I could remember was how amazing the nurses were being there with my family and with him when he took his last breath. And so you're absolutely right. It's more than just medications or assessments. It's also, you know, being emotional counselors for everyone. So as part of this campaign, what are the target numbers? How many people are you looking to recruit and how extensive is the campaign? Because I'm assuming it's going beyond just New York City. Um, absolutely. So, so the, the target number will evolve as our needs change as we increase our ambulatory and primary care settings. We are looking for nurses outside of New York City as well. Um, we will use social media campaigns. We'll be partnering with local schools of nursing, um, the deans of nursing, to make sure that everyone's aware that um, this campaign has launched. And so, you know, the goal is to, to just make sure that we have enough nurses in all settings across our system. So, you know, as our programs grow and develop, we will increase the number of nurses that we are recruiting into our system. And what I find really interesting is, you know, my where I work at Anad Gerstein, we represent the Association of uh, Medical Schools of, uh, of the state. And what's been interesting is they focus on the doctor shortage and dentist uh, shortage and really specifically trying to find people uh, in certain communities. You know, it's not just one monolith that we're looking for nurses, but I'm assuming that you're also looking for people of color, of different ethnicities. Are you reaching out through different, you know, ethnic publications? Sure. So, you know, as we partner with our local schools of nursing, you know, they are diverse in nature as well and they will match and mirror our patient population. It's very important to us that we look like the patients we serve in all of our communities. And I, I would say the primary uh, focus is to make sure that we are recruiting individuals who really believe in our mission and vision uh, to promote, protect, and advocate for the welfare and the safety of our New Yorkers. And so as we partner with those in the community, we believe that you know, they will also mirror the patients in our emergency department in different settings as well. But that's very important to us, that we continue to provide culturally sensitive care. And you're, very important. And you're also focused on a few high-need specialty areas. Correct. Um, we're, we're focusing on emergency departments, um, critical care departments, and also ambulatory settings. Um, is, you know, I just mentioned the association and what's been so interesting is, you know, we're also not in a silo. This isn't an issue that just New York City is facing. You know, what leads people to pursue nursing or not to pursue nursing that are some of the, you know, challenges that you might have to overcome to, or you know, uh, encourage people to pursue this as a career? Right. So I would say, you know, I think of financial restrictions, which is why New York City Health and Hospitals has established a nurse corps program. And as a student, the nurse corps scholarship program enables you to really um, fund your education. So if finances is a barrier, students can apply for the scholarship. 
which is oftentimes a restriction because school can get expensive, um, the books. And so we have that program for those who are interested to then serve an underserved population. And you have a program called the Nurse Corps. What is that about? What does that do? Correct. Sure. Um, so, so the Nurse Corps program really comprises of students who are enrolled in associate, baccalaureate, and graduate programs. And it's awarded this scholarship. It enables you to really cover your tuition costs, uniforms, books, and it also gives you a nice stipend on an annual basis. Uh, so, Natalia, we've got just about a minute and a half left. Uh, can you just uh, uh, give us one more, our listeners, uh, information on how they could find out more about the campaign and especially how they can forward information uh, to folks that might be in their lives who might be interested in pursuing nursing as a career? Absolutely. Um, for those who are interested, they can go to our website, which is nurse, the number four, nyc.org which includes the many documentaries. You can really see what our nurses go through on a day-to-day basis. You can see why they're passionate about what they do. On this website, you can contact us and send us your resume with any questions you may have. You can also contact our human resources department that can partner with you and really tell you about the local schools and the job fairs we attend if you are interested in joining our team. But if you want to build a career and grow, New York City Health and Hospitals is the place to be. Thank you. Natalia Sineas, thank you so much for joining us today. Celeste Katz, special guest here in the studio. Myself, Jeff Simmons, here on WBAI. You're welcome. My pleasure. Have a great day. Happy Mother's Day. Same to you. So, Celeste, are, so Jeff, are you a BAI buddy? As a matter of fact, I am a BAI buddy twice. I am a BAI buddy in the member in the uh, in the name of Driving Forces, which is the show that I do with you, of course, on Thursdays. And as of with, yesterday, uh, with, with James, yes, with James, with James, <laughs> who I just I just spoke to about being loud in the hallway. But that is only because I love him because his voice is so resonant and so beautiful. He was trying to get in on this show. James is cool. James is cool. At first, I didn't know James liked me. To be totally honest with you, out there in Radio Land, but now. James and I really get along, and we have this awesome show that we do on Thursdays called Driving Forces, and I am a BAI buddy in the name of that show. But as of yesterday, I also became a BAI buddy in the name of another show. It's called City Watch. Oh, very nice. Thank you, Celeste. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what does it mean to be a, a, be a BAI buddy? It brings a smile to your face. Again, this is a little hard to see on radio, but uh, you also get some cool perks. First of all, you can get the awesome tote bag, which makes you, uh, you know, not only stylish, but uh, a friend of the planet by not using plastic bags. You can use it uh, over and over again. Conveniently fits at least one, maybe one and a half dachshunds. I was um, just going to say that. Yeah, and you know, and we, we have tested this out. But it also gets you um, membership perks to some uh, interesting partners that we have here at the radio station. I've noticed bookstores, restaurants, uh, event venues and stuff. So it's really more than uh, just a... Uh, uh, just handing over a few bucks, but more importantly, you get to support uh, non-commercial, non-corporate radio, and that's uh, that's why I did it. And what I like about it is the ease once you call up and, you know, you can pledge at 516-620-3602, or I just signed up online and did it, and it's a recurring donation. For me, it's like, what, two, three cups of coffee a month that I'm giving up? That's nothing, because you know I drink too much coffee anyway. Well, you drink about two or three cups of coffee <laughs> I an did, hour. I did so have two before the show. You, I don't so think it's an incredible, Sean, incredible hardship. Sean was probably worried when he saw me before, because I was already <laughs> bouncing off the walls. <laughs> So we are talking, you know, but cutting down on coffee helps me with my health. And that brings us to our next guest. Nice segue. <laughs> our next guest is Tom Shanahan. He is the author of Spiritual Adrenaline, a lifestyle plan to nourish and strengthen your recovery. I've known Tom for years. I know I've known him since uh, we connected when I was a reporter and he had some really good juicy stories as a, an attorney uh, that we uh, collaborated on. Uh, and, and he worked for the civil rights division in uh, for the state government as well. And right? he and he also, if I'm correct, he, I think he worked in city government too. We're going to ask him about that. Yeah. But um, he's had a number of uh, career specialties. 
Uh, he is a personal trainer, a weight management and sports nutrition consultant with certifications from the American Aerobics Association International. Nice. I know you are too. And, uh, Obviously. Uh, but he has encountered a number of obstacles in his life, and he eventually turned himself around and on the path to better health and hope. And so now he joins us to talk about his road to recovery. Tom, welcome to the show. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Celeste. Thanks Hi. so much for having me. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there as well. You too, you too. And I believe we're talking to you from your mother's house, correct? I, I'm actually up in uh, Albany, New York. I'm not, I was at my mom's, I'm at my mom's for the weekend, but I'm at another family member's house uh, today outside of Albany. Uh, the whole family's gathered for, for Mother's Day. Well, that is very sweet, and I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that you could take the time out to be with us here on Oh, it's uh, my City pleasure. Watch. It's my pleasure. So um, let's talk about the origins of this book, Spiritual Adrenaline, because I've known you for many years, especially, as I said, as an attorney. What led, you know, what led you down this road to this point of creating this book? And, you know, tell me a little about what happened in your life. Okay. Well, you I mean, we've known each other forever, Jeff, it seems like. And uh, my, I, all my life, you know, I, I went to law school. I worked in the Dinkins administration in the press office. And then I had the pleasure of working for the first public advocate, Mark Green. Um, and then I, I worked for him part-time, and I was practicing law, and I did some of the cutting-edge, original cutting-edge cases involving the transgendered um, when nobody else was really willing in private practice to take their cases. It, it seems like a whole world ago, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, and, you know, the, whole, the reality of the situation is I was working in politics and practicing law and also drinking quite a bit and at times different you know, partying as well with, with drugs was part of it. And I had some really bad habits. I think I used uh, alcohol and then drugs for basically coping mechanisms, and that's what I knew. And I was around a lot of drinking and, and other kind of excessive behavior in the political world. And uh, now I realize, you know, out of all the professions, you know, the, highest, the profession with the highest rate of substance abuse is dentists and then lawyers a second. And so anyway, I developed these bad habits, and a whole host of things happened to me and my family members all in quick succession. Celeste, for example, you mentioned the Division of Human Rights. I was terminated from the Division of Human Rights uh, after an investigation into travel vouchers. And, you know, it was mistakes made on the voucher. It was never, I had never had to pay money back or anything like that. But um, it was just, it, it was a very bad experience for me. So I was fired, and then um, not long after that, my colleague, who I still have an office with in New York City, her son was, was paralyzed in a snowboarding accident. Two months later, my brother was paralyzed in a ski accident. And then two months after that, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. She had never been sick in her entire life. So all these things kind of um, happened back to back in 2010. And uh, I didn't, the only coping skills I really had was alcohol, quite frankly. And I was practicing law, running around trying to help my brother and my mom. With their, with their medical issues, uh, no other family members really were able to participate in their care. And then also I was covering from my colleague who went away to care for her son. And so eventually I wound up in, in it worked for a little while. I started using a lot of cocaine, actually, to, to be able to meet the demands of my law practice. And then my, my family members who needed, who needed me to be there for the, for the medical care. And it stopped working after a while, you know. Um, I was using a lot of cocaine and alcohol, and I went up to rehab in 2011. I actually just celebrated yesterday eight years um, without uh, having a drink or, or drugs, and then also I'll have six years without smoking cigarettes in September. Congratulations. So my, thank you, thank you. And my experience in, in recovery was that immediately after I stopped drinking uh, and, and using drugs, I wound up eating, like, huge amounts of carbs, and I would eat, like, all kinds of comfort foods and really not be able to stop. I went into rehab at 140. I came out about 180, and I continued oh, wow. to add. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I continued to add weight, and so I got became very interested into why this was happening, and I just realized like I was very happy to no longer be using substances, but I realized the lifestyle that I was living and the lifestyle that I was seeing, like around 12-step meetings, involved a lot of cigarette smoking, coffee, sugar. And lots of comfort foods. And so, and you, and you know, you mentioned that, but so interesting in the book because it made me think of every, you know, TV show or movie I've seen when people are going to like AA meetings and there's coffee and donuts and people are well, smoking you know, that's cigarettes. The thing, and that's the thing. And in, in the 12 step community, and I'm, I'm going to say I'm not a critic of the 12 step community, I'm a fan, and I have a whole chapter that talks about the history. But quite frankly, uh, the, the, the kind of lifestyle that's developed around it is very unhealthy and also inconsistent with the ultimate goal of having lasting sobriety. Um, exercise and nutrition are considered outside issues. 
that aren't really to be addressed in the meeting context because they're not directly related to the substance use. And so, you know, again, I continue to participate in the 12-step world, but I realize that if I wanted to reduce cravings, I realized if I wanted to not continue to add weight and I wanted to understand why I was eating so many comfort foods, I need to go outside of like a more traditional addiction recovery program and figure out you know, um, a healthy lifestyle. And that's when I became, because I've been a lawyer for 22 years, but I became a certified personal trainer. I, I became a certified sports nutritionist and I went to the uh, Institute for Integrated Nutrition. And I started to develop this lifestyle including those uh, traditionally outside issues of nutrition and exercise, and I started to apply the 12 steps to them. And I realized, you know, I had amazing results, like in ways I never thought possible. My health, uh, you know, was turned around. Instead of continuing to add lots of, you know, um, weight from the comfort foods, I was able to start uh, to eat right, to learn about basic nutrition, and I developed a lifestyle plan that worked for me. Um, and so what I wanted to do, since there were no other books out there that really integrated exercise and nutrition into a 12-step approach, I wrote Spiritual Adrenaline, and three years ago we went live on Facebook and our, our website. Now we have 80,000 Facebook fans, and every week more than 20,000 people will visit our Facebook, our Instagram, and our website and you know, check out our videos. So it's, it's amazing. I think there's a this community of people out there. We call it the sober active community, and I write about that in my book. It's a whole new uh, community within the recovery context of organizations and individuals that are all around the world. Um, some of them, in, the ones in upstate New York, Recovery Fitness, that are organizing people around, for example, um, gyms and other healthy environments and then incorporating addiction recovery into that healthy environment. So it's a really exciting time, I think, for a lot of people within the movement. So, Tom, when you finally figured out that you wanted to do something differently, that you wanted to maintain your sobriety, but you also wanted to do it in a way that felt healthier and more active for you, like, how did mm -hmm. you get started? Was there a moment where you like, were you like drinking like another cup of coffee or eating <laughs> another donut and you were just like, this, this ain't it? Well, you know, the, what really got my attention, Celeste, was, well, first of all, I started to smoke. I started to smoke more than two packs of cigarettes a day when I was, quote, unquote, sober, which was more than I was smoking in active addiction. And I just couldn't stop. And I did notice, like, if I would go out to a, a restaurant or wherever and they put a basket of bread on the table, I would eat the entire basket. Like, it's so rude, right? <laughs> I was going to say, I, people like, going out to dinner with you must have been a real shrewd. Exactly. <laughs> like, you're crazy. And that, that's when the light bulb went off. I'm like, okay, there's got to be a reason why. Like, it's like almost like I'm grabbing at it as, my, as a drug, right? Or like the way I used to behave with alcohol. I just couldn't get enough. And so I started to really research that, and that's what led me to become um, a certified sports nutritionist. And, you know, what, what I learned was, you know, the comfort foods, they call them the sister foods to, um, to alcohol. They, you know, chemically in the brain, they create the dopamine and the endorphins, the, the rush, because they're like these, you know, junk carbs that have no real nutritional value, but they, you know, they do release the pleasure hormones. And when I started to understand, because I was having like um, – a lot of ups and downs mood-wise, and I didn't, I didn't understand why. And then I started to do more research, and I was realizing the junk carbs I was eating were contributing to that. And then also, with all the sugar and the caffeine that I was drinking, I was spiking my blood sugar, and then it was dropping. And I, I, I started to learn that basically I was using food, sugar, nicotine, and, and caffeine to create highs, right, similar to alcohol and drugs, and then I would crash down when I would stop eating those things, and then I'd need to fix again. So basically, I was replicating the high, the crash, and then the low of drugs and alcohol in a different way and to a different extent, but it was the same kind of um, behavior. And I recognized, like, I would get cravings when I didn't have the caffeine, when I didn't have the sugar, when I didn't have the comfort foods. And so I started to wean myself off those types of foods in the same way that I wean myself off alcohol and drugs. And the, the, you know, the results speak for themselves, I think. And it's not just you know, my experience. People say, well, it worked for you, but how do I know it's going to work for me? You know, my book is evidence-based, and everything is, has been researched. I rely on peer-reviewed studies, 
in the front of the book, I explain the educational, like the background, the research on science, on why these things, traditional outside issues, are important to think about in addiction recovery. And then using that research in the back of the book, which I call the aspirational portion, I teach people how to take that science and apply it in tool exercise and nutrition and spiritual tools into their addiction recovery program. So you acknowledge the spiritual angle. It might not sound, you know, initially appealing to people. Why is that? Well, I think that people look at it in a different way. Um, You know, when people talk about spirituality, there's a lot of people who come into, there are a lot of people who aren't part of the recovery community generally, but are angry, let's say, with God, right? And then people come in, and they had this concept of uh, organized religion and God, and they're angry at the faith that they grew up in, you know, whatever the issue is. I don't look at spirituality that way. I look at spirituality as being able to look inside of ourselves, right, inside of me, to try and understand me and have the respect for, my, for me and who I am and where, what I want to do in my life, and also to have respect for the body in the sense that it's the only one I'm ever going to have, and when I take care of it, I feel great. And then I feel connected, and I can think about, like, religious thoughts, and I can feel more connected to other people around me. When I'm hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you know, when I allow myself to get into a state where I'm not taking care of my own basic needs, I become kind of, you know, angry and resentful. And I think that that's the road that leads people back to using, whether it be someone who uses drugs or alcohol or, for example, someone who, like, goes on Amazon and spends all kind of money shopping because they're shopping at somebody, right, or eating at somebody. Like, we try and deal with frustrations and resentments by acting out in some ways. And so, for me, it's alcohol and drugs. And I, I think the, the better care I take for my, of myself and my physical health, the better I feel mentally and then I can connect spiritually. This is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. You're listening to City Watch with Jeff Simmons. I'm Celeste Katz, just helping out today. And we are speaking to Tom Shanahan. He is the author of Spiritual Adrenaline, a lifestyle plan to nourish and strengthen your recovery. So, Tom, we've got just a few minutes left. Mm -hmm. For anyone who's thinking, who's listening today, and mm-hmm. who also wants to then call in to 516-620-3602 to get a copy of your book for a $50 donation. Mm-hmm. What are, just give them an insight into like one of the first things they need to think about or consider uh, to pursue this path that you have. They just have to be open-minded and willing uh, and to think about things maybe in a different way than they've been traditionally taught to think about addiction recovery. For example, if you go in to see a therapist or a psychologist and you say you're depressed, oftentimes the first thing they do is they prescribe something to take care of that issue, right? And so, you know, what we're saying is, yeah, you may have a chemical imbalance where you need prescription medication, but you have to take into account what are you eating? What, you know, are you getting enough rest? Do you exercise? Because, for example, even five minutes of a brisk walking a day is shown to have a great, uh, can have great change, lead to great changes in someone's psychological outlook. And so many people in addiction recovery have the concurrent, uh, you know, issue of depression. And so they have to be open-minded and willing to, you know, to change their lifestyle. And I think that this book will give you the tools that you need. It's a very specific book because, you know, there was no one-stop one uh, shop for me, so I created one. You know, you don't have to pay for a personal trainer. You don't have to have uh, a nutritionist or a registered dietitian working with you. This book will give you all the tools you need to get started, and where you go from there is, you know, is completely up to you. And listen, you know, we're going to be starting something called the Spiritual Adrenaline Challenge next week here in New York City. We have two New Yorkers that are going to be going through the book with me over a six-month period and sharing their experience on social media on our websites on my website, the Facebook page, and on Instagram. So your, you know, your readers, if they were to purchase the book for the donation, I encourage them to do that. You know, could also follow us on social media and get actively integrated into what we're doing in the community. And we're actually, Jeff, looking for one more person to participate in the challenge. We had a female uh, drop out two weeks ago, and we're starting in a week. So if any of your listeners are, are or, or or maybe, Celeste, so maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's, we'd love to have you, but the reality is we're looking for a female to participate, and what it involves is, you know, I have a, Dr. Michael Bedix from, from Portland, Maine, is coming down. He's the person I work with. He's going to be giving them 
testing their blood and going through their hormones, supplements, et cetera, with them. You know, that's part of the program is to know what your blood work says and what you should be eating, what kind of exercise you should be having based upon your blood work, you know, developing a plan of action. And then David Barton and Temple Gym will be working with me on an exercise and a nutrition program. And every two weeks we're going to be meeting, David and myself will be meeting with the participants. And hopefully in six months they're going to have a whole different look on the exterior but also have a whole different outlook on the inside. So if any of your listeners are, are interested in participating, they can reach out to us, uh, to me, and let me know on any of our social medias. And in fact, you know, as we close right now, just uh, give us the website address, uh, pertinent information for our listeners to go to. Sure, it's www.spiritualadrenaline.com. And on Facebook, you can just search for Spiritual Adrenaline. And on Instagram, it's uh, spiritual underscore ADR. Tom Shanahan, author of Spiritual Adrenaline, a lifestyle plan to nourish and strengthen your recovery. Thank you for joining Celeste Katz and me here on City Watch on WBAI. Thank you both. So for our listeners who were just listening to this great segment with Tom, if you would like to donate today to help WBAI, you can get as a gift for $50, you can get a copy of Spiritual Adrenaline. The number to call if you're at home on this rainy day and listening and you're thinking, you know what, I'm just sitting on the couch and I'm eating donuts, drinking coffee, and yeah, and ha- that's sort of like what I'm doing <laughs> yeah. when I'm not here. Uh, well, I'm not smoking cigarettes, though. Uh, but if, uh, if you're sitting there and thinking, I want to turn my life around, I want to take some steps, give a call and pledge $50 to 516-620-3602 or go online to give to WBAI.org. Right. You can go right on WBAI.org. I did this yesterday. As I said, I became a BAI buddy in the name of this program, City Watch. And it's real easy. Literally took me less than two minutes. And it's a recurring donation. You don't have to start out big. You can start out small, work your way up. But if you think about it, really not a lot of money to spend on something that you use in your life every day. Maybe you listen to WBAI on your way to work, uh, on your way home, uh, during a break. Maybe you have it on uh, at, uh, at your place of work all day long and you listen to it and you get a lot of different kinds of programs. You get uh, public policy, news, uh, cultural programs, musical programs. There's a lot of stuff going on here. And uh, the way to keep that going is to help us out. Give us a call, 516-620-3602. So now, because it's Mother's Day, I thought we might focus on issues important to women. S- Oh, that's very thoughtful of you. Thank you. That's also why I wanted you in studio today to school me when I say things that are wrong. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is going to be the mansplaining <laughs> hour with Jeff Simmons. No, just kidding, just kidding. So would yeah. you like to introduce our final guest today? I would like to introduce our final guest as soon as I figure out who it is. Just go. kidding. Our final <laughs> guest today is Carol Wasey. She's the CEO of Women Creating Change. That's a century-old organization previously known as Women's City Club. And uh, one of the earliest members was our first lady at the time, Eleanor Roosevelt. Uh, we invited uh, Carol on to talk about the role women play in increasing civic engagement in our city. So, Carol, welcome to City Watch and happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Celeste. Thank you, Jeff. I'm really pleased to be on today. So maybe just start off. Uh, what's with the name change? Why, why did that come about? What is with the name change? We needed a name change. I joined what was then the Women's City Club about a year and a half ago. And we put the organization right into strategic planning. We're trying to figure out sort of where we should go as an organization. That's part of why I was brought in. And as we figured out where we needed to go, we determined that the name that we had didn't quite fit the direction we were going. So everything sort of came together towards changing our name. Um, And to tell you a little bit about the strategic planning work we did, we were really trying to understand the history of the organization, where we had been, where we had successes, and really where we needed to go. And the whole idea was, you know, as we went out and we met with board members and funders and partners, we found out there had been a lot of great work that happened over the years, but we really needed to redefine the organization, find a new place for us. And where we landed was this whole area of civic engagement. It's sort of a lot of what we had been involved in over the years. Um, But the flip on it was now instead of sort of, women like Eleanor Roosevelt leading the charge, we wanted to make sure all of the women across New York City, across every borough, in every community, really saw that there was an opportunity for them to get involved in civic engagement. 
So we landed on really this whole new mission about the women creating change, being an inclusive community, partnering with underserved women to develop and strengthen the skills and resources needed to effectively advocate for New York's diverse communities. Once we landed there, we realized it couldn't be the Women's City Club. Club connotates many things, but not really active civic engagement for women. So we went through a whole process of looking at a lot of names. We looked at about 50 or more, um, and we landed on Women Creating Change, a great way to keep our acronym but be more action-oriented, put women at the focus, and really sort of set a very strong message for everyone that women are important in the city, they're important everywhere, and we were going to put them at the forefront. So in prepping for the show today, I was reading up, uh, uh, reading a few articles, and one uh, profile of you in New York Lifestyles had said that uh, you had said a quote was, activism is in my DNA. How so? Yeah, well, my mother was quite a woman, very much ahead of her time. She was born in 1928 um, in Scotland, in Glasgow, lived through World War II. But my parents emigrated to the U.S. in the um, late 60s. And she taught me from a very young age that truly I could really do or be anything. She was an immigrant, you know, and she fought for issues that were important to her, I remember going on bus trips with her to Washington, D.C. back in the 70s. I was a young child. She was fighting for the Equal Rights Amendment. As you know, that's up for great discussion these days. But she was fighting for it back in the 70s when she had a very busy life with four children. Um, She fought for Social Security. I remember as a young child sitting in front of then-Senator Ted Kennedy. Um, She fought for issues that were really important, and she taught me that, you know, I needed to figure out what was important to me and that I should also, you know, get out and make sure I was always voicing my opinion. And those who know me know I do um, and really stand for things that are important to me. So, you know, she taught me a lot from a young age and that really everybody, and she was an immigrant without any really strong ties to anything, but she had a voice, an important voice, and she made sure it was heard. And do you think that women feel more empowered or want to get more involved after what we saw in the midterms last year in 2018? We had a lot more women running, winning. Uh, Women consistently vote at higher rates than men, both in uh, sheer numbers and in percentages. Um, Is that is this sort of building on momentum that was uh, uh, heightened during the midterms last year? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that women are seeing not only do they have a voice, but when their voice is heard, the outcomes can be very different. I think part of our challenge is making sure everyone feels that their voice matters. We recently ran a focus group with women at a great nonprofit here in New York City called the Grace Institute, which works on economic empowerment for underrepresented women. And at the Grace Institute, one of the things we heard over and over, these are incredibly smart women. Their average income is $6,000 in New York City. Can you imagine that? And these were women who were talking about important issues that were important to them, like congestion pricing and, you know, um, which that was, a, that was a little bit of a surprise to me, certainly education for their kids and transportation issues. Um, but where they felt the disconnect was they didn't feel that they could necessarily have their voice be heard and that it mattered, that anybody really cared. And while we know voting is important, we certainly want everyone to get out and vote, there's a lot of other ways people can get involved. They can get involved on their school boards, in their community boards. Um, They can get out and volunteer with an organization like New York Cares. There's a lot of great different ways for people to get involved in their communities and make a difference. And that's what we're hoping to do at Women Creating Changes, educate them about those opportunities, make those connections, help them make those connections to the places that really matter to them and where they can make a difference. And then hopefully what we will see is that it almost becomes a snowball effect. When they see that they're being heard and that they can do something, it improves their own lives, it improves the community, and there'll be a great, very positive effect for the city overall. But we've got to start with making a difference in the lives of individuals. And as we move ahead in the coming years, you know, what are some of the things that people can then expect to uh, see that Women Creating Change is doing? Yeah, so as we go into what we've been doing this year, as we sort of rolled out 
our new strategy um, back last month, we're laying out a programmatic approach so that we're in year one, we're going to be developing um, our first element of civic matters. That's the program that it's called. Um, we're going to be laying out a online hub where people can come and learn about information if they want to just do it in the, the, the uh, comfort of their own home and really very definitive ways how to take action on that. We're also going to be doing community-based workshops all over New York City about issues that care that matter to women. That's why we went to places like Grace to learn from them. We'll be going out to do several more of those focus groups. After that, there'll be a, um, a fellowship we're developing. We're also partnering. We're exploring a partnership with CUNY to develop a civic leadership institute um, for those who want to go really deep. So there'll be a lot of things sort of being rolled out over the next three years. And if people want to learn more, you can always come to our website, which is wccny.org. If you have any feedback or thoughts on the work we're doing, you can always contact us at info at wccny.org. We're always looking for new partners, people who want to invest in our work, people who want to join our organization. So there's a lot of different ways to get involved. We're just starting, and I think we have a lot to learn. So also for nonprofits out there doing this work, um, there's people doing different pieces of the kind of work we want to do. We're looking to partner with them. We're not looking to duplicate what other people are doing. And um, and we're really excited about the future and the possibility of just getting more women's voices heard across New York City. Carol Wasey is CEO of Women Creating Change. Carol, I uh, really appreciate you being here with us today on City Watch. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, what's interesting is last night I have my uh, aunt and cousins in town and I mentioned uh, Women's City Club because, you know, they're not from the area so they wouldn't have known. And the immediate reaction I got was, oh, Women's City Club, that was a club that was Upper you know, upper East Side Women. I'm like, no, you don't know the Women's City Club slash now Women Creating Change of today. Mm -hmm. uh, they weren't familiar with even some of the reports that they had done. They just had this perception of like, uh, older, richer white women, you know, that were among the founders right. of the organization a century ago. I'm like, you don't know what they're doing today. It was so interesting. I think about, you know, the issues that they focused on 20 years ago. God, I'm thinking of how old I am. Um, oh, that, that'll take a while. <laughs> um, but no, just on identifying a big research project, identifying the conditions in women's shelters and creating right. cha that change in the city as a result of their reporting. Uh, and also taking on the HIV AIDS crisis uh, and its impact on students in wow. the city school system. So uh, we also want to thank the anonymous person who called up, uh, I believe it was called up, during our show. Yep, I'm getting that. Uh, called up during our show and donated to receive a copy of Spiritual Adrenaline. So thank you so much for supporting WBAI. The more we can raise, the more likely we can move down the hall to a beautiful new studio. Which okay. is in progress, but we need your help to complete it, and it is going to be great. We are going to have, uh, you know, soundproofing. We're going to have better phone lines. We're going to have these nice boom mics with uh, pop shields. It looks good. It looks good. The, the sound of the entire station is going to be completely different as soon as we get across that finish line. I think we had, what, about $3,000 left to raise? Um, I think that's where we were at. So you can help us out. That's called the More Than Mics campaign. And uh, you can go to WBAI.org and click on More Than Mics. You can give us a call, 516-620-3602. 516-620-3602. Then you won't hear people uh, jumping up and down the hallways and uh, having, <laughs> having loud discussions, the elevator bell ringing, all that stuff. We will be in a, a soundproof professional new studio and you can help us get there 516-620-3602 because that's your studio that is to bring you better programming every single day of the week non-commercial non-corporate listener supported independent radio it doesn't get much better than that but to get there we need your help text wbai to 41444 that's 41 so it's uh, the book also that people can receive is Spiritual Adrenaline. We had the author on a little earlier uh, in the show. And, you know, it's fascinating because some of the you know addictions he talked about, you know, are common in my life because that's all about sugar and coffee. 
which are extremely addictive yeah. substances. They really are. You get, uh, and it's very interesting that he he makes a point of, as you see that that sort of common trope in uh, in film and television, where you see people and they're trying to get over addiction to uh, alcohol or drugs. But what's going on? They're smoking cigarettes. Uh, you know, you have coffee drinking. You have. Um, people eating donuts, as you said. Um, it's very, very easy, and I think we all know this, it's very easy to substitute one addiction for another. And I think that what Tom's trying to get at is that you can substitute much healthier behaviors if you're aware of what's going on and you make a plan. I think his book helps you make that plan. So for a donation of $50, uh, you can help out the station and you can get a copy of this very interesting book. Yeah, I, I think about my normal Sunday. You know, By about this time, if I am not here, uh, I am sitting at home and I'm probably eating a lot of a lot of carbs. And, you know, when I'm reading this book and I'm thinking, OK, he's basically chronicling, you know, some of the issues I have to address. Uh, but it also is a mindset. And he talks about the value of exercise, for right, instance. Right. Uh, what you do, you exercise. I exercise. The last few weeks have been a little tough to uh, fit it in my schedule unless I went at five in the morning and I could not do that uh, uh, the last you were probably weeks. already at work at five but, o'clock. But in the morning. but the interesting thing is uh, what he highlights also is some of you know your mind basically. I don't know if it's the endorphins or what it is. You know when you're exercising, you know you you're sharper, uh, and that's yeah. where I actually get a lot of my ideas. Which is why you don't make fun of me. Why I often will have a little notebook with me in the gym too, because I'm not going to be able to type it all down. But I'll just write down a few key things, remember it afterwards. Clearly, this man needs help, and the way you can help him out, <laughs> call five one six six two zero three six zero two. He's 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 running on a treadmill. Thinking up ideas, many of them probably have to do with putting on good radio programs. Jeff is the host of two programs. This one that you're listening to right now, City Watch, and he co-hosts Driving Forces with me on Thursday. So um, to keep all these shows on the air, uh, coming upstairs, for example, Black Seinfeld was downstairs. You just heard from James, uh, who has his own program uh, here on Sundays as well. And we have our program on Thursdays at 5. And uh, yeah. this Thursday, we have two special guests. We've got the first... First Lady of New York City, uh, Charlene McRae. Sean was thinking it was going to be Melania for a second there. I'm working um, on that. Working on that. <laughs> um, we have the First Lady, Charlene McRae, and then we have uh, Felix Felix Matos Rodriguez, the new City University Chancellor who just started in the last uh, few weeks, I believe, as Chancellor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to uh, again to help us out, we really do want to keep bringing you good guests, good coverage of what's going on in the city, uh, and stories that matter to you, uh, to bring you the voices of people in the community, and to hear you. We enjoy really, really uh, very much hearing from you, getting you on the air as much as possible. To do that, we need better phone lines, we need more phone lines, and the way to help us out, call us 516. 516- Six two zero three six zero two five one six six two zero three six zero two, or you can go to wbai.org, do it online, wbai.org, or you can just text WBAI to four one four 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 right. Uh, right on your smartphone. We all have our smartphones in our hands constantly. Pick up yours. Help us out in one of those three ways. And by the way, that is something Tom talks about in his book, too, about going into airplane mode. Uh, not just when you're on an airplane, but in your life about, you know, just putting all the devices aside uh, and, you know, decompressing. Okay, so the minute that you call 516-620-3602 and pledge your support for non-corporate listener-supported WBAI, then you can put all your devices aside and just listen to the excellent programming. And, uh, oh, and I believe we have a call coming in right now, a special guest call where we're going to take this one call, uh, I believe. We have a special guest call. Okay. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi there. So I'd like, first of all, I'd like to thank Jeff for my mom. (laughs) 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 Happy Mother's Day. Who who is this? Who is this on the air? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Ma, you're on the radio. Oh my God. I really really did call to thank Jeff for a wonderful program. That Tom Shanahan is a wonderful inspiration to so many people. What a great guest. I know he was good. He was good, right? I knew him from before. I didn't know that he had gone through this this amazing <laughs> transformation. Oh my god. Ma, you should you should have your own Jeff show. Jeff is a 
live one, let me tell you. I know, I know. He'll do, he'll do anything to get attention for this radio station. Are you having a good day, Ma? What are you doing? What are you guys doing today? Well, t- I just I called in actually. So in honor of Mother's Day, I want to honor my daughter. <laughs> my daughter, who's such a wonderful little pussy catsy. <laughs> you know, you'll never forget. And thanks to my daughter, she also honored my mother, which was a very, very special thing oh, to do. Oh, you saw the pictures? I did. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. Both of you, both of you, I, 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 I'm just so lost for words. I think you're such a wonderful couple there. <laughs> I, I enjoy your... your um, the Thursday programs, and I'm enjoying today so much. Good. Well, I'm glad. Well, happy Mother's Day, Ma. I'm, su- I'm surprised to hear <laughs> But I'm not too surprised because Jeff is the sort of person who would cook that, that kind of thing up. But... Oh, my God. You know, uh, Jeff, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. That was... It, I'm sure, you know, you can't, I couldn't fool my daughter with my voice. <laughs> I tried to get rid of that, some of that New York accent, but it didn't help living out of the, out of the state for like 20 something years. Yeah. Well, oh my you God. Still, well, you still sound the same to me, Ma. Thank you so much for giving us a call. We're going to have to wrap up the show, so I'm sorry. I'm that. Cutting I my mother off this show. <laughs> it's the last time I come in on a Sunday. Thank you. Thank you for calling us today and happy, and happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Jeff, and enjoy your days, and to all the mothers out there also. Thank you, Ma. Happy Mother's Day. I love you. I want to thank. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Thank you, and I want to thank our guests, Tom Shanahan, Natalia Sineas, and also Carol Wasey. Also, our wonderful engineer Sean Rhodes today, and our special in studio guest Celeste, who will close out the show today. Happy Mother's Day to everybody, and especially to my mom, who we just got to hear right here on WBAI. And uh, I, <laughs> I was surprised and grateful. Uh, I'm Celeste Katz here with Jeff Simmons. You're listening to City Watch right here, WBAI New York. Join us again on Thursday. Jeff will be with you on Thursday and on Sunday, and I will be back very soon for more programming. Happy Mother's Day. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. Clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky. Also on the faces of people going by, I see friends shaking hands, saying how A lot of folks like to bash the mainstream media. Those same voices rarely offer an alternative. Lucky for you, you found the alternative already. You're tuned to it right now. Hi, my name is Reggie Johnson, and I'm the host of From the Soundboard. WBAI is a listener-supported commercial-free radio station that loves to challenge the norms and defy them. But in order to keep providing you with groundbreaking conversations and unique arts content you rely on, we need your help. Donate by visiting Give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org. Or pledge right from your smartphone by texting the letters WBAI to 41444. And thank you for your support. For me, fiction is the closest home to prayer that you can get. Arundhati Roy, winner of the Booker Prize for The God of Small Things. She's also the author of The Ministry of Utmost Happiness and My Seditious Heart. 
Arundhati Roy is the keynote speaker at the Penn World Voices Festival, and we are offering WBAI Buddies free tickets. That's at 6 to 7.30 p.m. Sunday, May 12th, Mother's Day, at the Apollo Theater, 253 West 125th Street in Harlem. And you can get free tickets if you are a WBAI buddy, if you're already a buddy, or if you want to become a buddy by calling 516-620-3602. Anyway, email tickets at WBAI if you would like a pair of tickets to hear and see Arundhati Roy. Hi, this is Bobby Humphrey. You're listening to WBAI New York, 99.5 FM. <laughs> 